Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Welcome, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. We got a special episode today. We're going to be interviewing an investor and a realtor here in the St. Louis area who's doing some amazing things. He's got he's got a lot of apartment buildings and he's doing some really creative stuff for realtors. And I'm going to be talking about how you as an investor can take advantage of some of these things, whether you're licensed or not. We'll talk about that in a second. His name is Ben Mises. And so it's going to be a really good podcast. First, I want to announce something though, came out with a new book. I think this is my sixth or something, but it's a new book called Simple Lease Options, the easiest and fastest way to do more deals in any market. And you can get this book for free, legit for free by watching my webinar. I have a webinar called Simple Lease Options. You can get to it by going to sloclass.com, sloclass.com. Now, hopefully by the time this podcast is released, this book will be available, but we're working on kind of redesigning the webinar, doing some new things. And anybody who attends the webinar, you have to attend. At the end, I'm going to give you this book. It's a serious book and I'm excited about it. You're going to love it. It's all about doing creative deals because as the market starts to shift and transition, it's going to be more important to know how to do creative deals. It could be owner financing, lease options, subject tos, whatever. When the cheese is moving, you need to go with it. And my prediction is we're going to see a rise in foreclosures. We're going to see a rise in motivated sellers. Even though inventory is tight, you need to know. I'm already seeing it. We're doing a bunch of marketing right now in Michigan, it's going really, really well. And you're going to see this more and more, especially with properties that haven't been, that have been on the market for 90 days that haven't sold yet. Those sellers are really open to doing creative type of deals like lease options or owner financing. And I want to be talking about that, how to do those kinds of deals in this book, Simple Lease Options. You can get it for free again by going to sloclass.com and attending the webinar. At the end of the webinar, I'll give you this book. All right. So we got a cool guest on today. His name is Ben. Ben Mises. Ben is from a company called Clever. That's not Clever Investor, our friend Cody Sperber. This is a different company that Ben owns. It has nothing to do with Cody. Cody's a good guy, but Ben's a better guy because Ben is <laughs> from St. Louis and he's a Cardinals fan, I'm assuming, right? Ben? Agreed. And Joe, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Glad to see you here. Guys, this is so crazy because I was Googling flat fee listing or discount broker or something like that. And Ben, his website was all over the place. And I forget what the exact, if I was looking in a certain city or whatnot. And the website is this big, it's like a national website. I thought it was somebody from Silicon Valley or whatever that is doing this. And then I started looking into it and he's from St. Louis. He's actually right here in St. Louis. He's an active investor himself and he's doing some cool things on the realtor side of things. We're going to be talking about that. And then and then right after I saw that a day or two later, somebody from his office messaged me and said, hey, you might want to get Ben on your podcast and talk about some of the cool things that they're doing. I said, clever. Does he work with Cody? <laughs> so, but anyway, Ben, I'm glad you're here. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Definitely uh, excited to be here and talk about real estate. Nice. You're in the University City area. Anybody that's familiar with St. Louis, I'm going to guess we've never met before, but I'm going to guess you do not have kids. I do not. That's correct. That's <laughs> Anybody who lives that in that part of town does not have kids. Not because it's a bad area, but hopefully Ben will be getting married soon and <laughs> have kids and move out to the suburbs. We're a little ways away from that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. There's Every city has that, right? You know, some areas where 
the younger kids live. They're not married yet. They don't have big commitments. And so he's living in the cool part of town. I'm living, I got four kids, Ben. <laughs> and I'm living in the uh, suburban box store chain restaurants part of town. Well, there's there's some pros pros there as well. There's some good chain restaurants out there. <laughs> <laughs> there are there's some good chain restaurants out here in West County, and there's also we got you know I'm probably closer to a Home Depot than you are. I'm guessing. I'd imagine so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So Ben, talk about how'd you get started in real estate? Yeah, it was pretty by chance. I didn't grow up thinking I wanted to be in real estate or to be a real estate investor. My background was actually more in startups. The first business I ever built was the first mobile app that paid users for every text they sent and received. So something totally far away from real estate, but kind of built my love for technology and startups. And then I moved back home and I was actually looking for jobs in San Francisco, but ended up finding a job at a different real estate company. And they were building a platform for big time single family rental investors to buy and sell with each other. And they wanted me to help sell the platform into new investors. And they said, if you're going to do this, you've got to learn real estate. So that kind of got me started on the journey. I would be researching and reading and listening to podcasts. And about 30 days after that assignment, I went under contract for my first four-family home. And after doing just tons of research on St. Louis and seeing how good of a market it could be, I was just absolutely hooked. And my uh, business partner and I, we joined up. And in about two years, I'd grown a portfolio of uh, 22 apartments all over St. Louis City and County. So when was this? When did you start? What year? This was in mid-2017. Wow. And you were living where? Actually, I moved back with my parents after college. So I, rather than renting an apartment, bought my uh, first home and it was actually a four family. So I moved in and then was having the tenants from the other side uh, pay all the rent and covering all my expenses. Really cool. So your parents were from here. Mm-hmm. They lived in U-City as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But you were living in California, just so I'm clear. Uh, so I went to school in Indiana and then I'd worked at a different company in San Francisco. So I was living there for a while and then I moved back and I was thinking I wanted to stay in tech and the best place to be in tech at the time was San Francisco. So I was looking 90% of my time getting a job out there to just do anything I could in tech or start another company and just by chance happened to find this uh, real estate tech company in St. Louis that kind of put me on a different path. Nice. All right. So then you came here, you bought a bunch of apartments. And how did you do that? How did you find these apartments? How did you buy them? Yeah. So I was doing a lot of research. And I think the first thing that became really important to me was kind of getting that confidence because I wasn't like a really handy person. So it was first kind of understanding what is a good deal. So we had this rental property calculator that we built and I would just stay up late at night, just modeling every property I'd find on Zillow and just putting it in to see, is this a good deal? What do I think the expenses could be? So then the first property I found was actually on the MLS and it was uh, at a time when the market was starting to get pretty tight. And this one, for some reason, seemed like it was cheaper than it could have been. It was in uh, Tower Grove East, right by the park, for those who know St. Louis, which is a a pretty good up and coming area. And it seemed to me the building was $40,000 or $50,000 underpriced, and they weren't doing any showings until you were under contract. So I figured, you know, I'll offer full price on this. If it's what I think it is, I'm going to get a really good deal. And it ended up being a really weird situation where the owner was like having an affair with their property manager who was having an affair with someone else. So they couldn't even get in to take photos. And then the listing agent, it was their first ever deal. So it was a totally mispriced property that had actually suffered a fire and been totally redone with insurance money a couple of years prior. So my first deal was an absolute home run. We bought it for 220K with an FHA loan, which is three and a half percent down. So I only had to put in about $7,000 all in. And it was was a four family, right? Mm -hmm, A four family. Yeah. 
So it, it rented for about 2400 as well, which I was then able to raise to almost 3000 in rent by the end. So it was a really good introduction to real estate to kind of open my eyes to how good these deals can be if you do your homework and in that one, get a little bit lucky. That's crazy. Like any market right now, especially, it is really hard to find good multifamilies, especially on the MLS. Mm -hmm. The fact that you could do this, really good. Good for you. Yeah. And then from there, it was became tough to find properties on the MLS. And we got started kind of looking at other ways to find properties. And our my favorite strategy at this point is driving around town and looking for four rent signs that I can't find on Zillow or Craigslist. And that's a really good sign that you've got a landlord that's you know not keeping up with the times. They're probably collecting their rent in cash. And there's a good chance they're older and looking to be done. And we've found that that's a good way to find like people who own a lot of equity and are probably looking to get out, which can be a, a good place to find property when everything on the MLS is selling so quickly these days. Good old fashioned, boring, knocking on doors, making calls. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and some of the best investors I know in St. Louis that are doing the most deals, that's all they're doing. They're pumping and humping and, and going out there, hitting the streets, getting belly button to belly button, knocking on doors, calling people, just actively doing this. And good for you. So the other 22 units or apartments that you bought, are they smaller multifamilies, like a two to four family or are they bigger than that? Yeah, everything we own is a mix of uh, fourplexes and then a couple duplexes. And then we bought 18 all at once. So it was a commercial purchase, but it was actually um, just a group of residential. And then there is um, one group, it's three fourplexes that share a backyard. So it feels like a 12plex, but it's parceled as a fourplex. So we were able to move it to a residential paper on a 30-year fixed mortgage. So did you use a local bank for those or did you how did you get to raise the capital for it yeah so we sold the uh the first property i bought that fourplex and did really well we made about seventy thousand on it in about eight or nine months so that was a, a great start and then we raised a little bit of private capital for the rest of the down payment and then we used uh, Carrollton bank which is a local lender here that had a, a lot of confidence and likes to invest in multifamilies in st louis and they were great to work with getting kind of the, the local bank feel that will work with you and build that relationship. Yeah, definitely. Anybody out there listening to this, if you want to get into bigger deals, like the local banks are the best. Mm -hmm. They know the market. They know the neighborhood. They know the good areas, the bad areas, and they're more likely to lend. Yeah. And another tip we found was kind of our uh, property manager had a good relationship with Carrollton and nothing puts a bank at ease more than knowing exactly the manager and trusting that manager's reputation. That's a great point. So that was really helpful for us that as soon as the loan officer saw who we were using, they were like, great, the numbers pencil out. I know this guy is not going to mess it up for you. And we got approved a lot easier than I thought it would be. How did you find that property management company? Pretty random. My business partner's dad worked with his spouse at a hospital. And it just so happened that he'd worked in tech. He'd been high up at GitHub and he was kind of approaching his management with some of the management, his property management company with some of the principles he learned in software development, which felt like a good fit for my background. So I wish I could say I had like a science or a process to find a good manager, but that was kind of kind of luck of the draw. What what if somebody who's thinking about this like went to the local banks and instead of asking them like, can you borrow, can I borrow money from you? But instead ask them like, I'm looking to buy some deals, but do you have any good property management companies that you guys trust and recommend, right? And then if I bring you a deal that's going to be managed by them, would you lend on the deal? You know what I mean? That sounds like a fantastic strategy. No better way to get someone that the bank trusts than have the bank recommend it to you personally. Oh, 
that's just a win-win for everybody. It's a win mm-hmm. for the property management. It's a win for the bank. And you can now go to that property management company and say, hey, I'm looking for deals. I've already been, I already know what I need to do to get approved by this bank. Can you help me find something? Because property managers, the good ones, most of them, you know, they, they either, number one, have a client who's got a property they want to sell and get rid of, or they have clients who are looking to buy more properties. And every property manager that I've talked to has always said, yeah, I've got somebody that has a property they want to sell. Yeah. We've definitely seen that. And when we've gone to sell, we've sometimes had our property manager say, I've got four people I'm working with who would buy this building. So it definitely can be a really fruitful relationship. And at the same time, if you pick the wrong property manager, nothing can destroy a deal faster than having a bad manager. Mm, Boy, that was a big gold nugget. I hope somebody picked that up. All right. So how did you get involved with Clever? Yeah. So Clever was pretty interesting. The uh, company, the real estate tech company I was working for before ultimately didn't succeed and laid everyone off. So I was kind of just sitting in my apartment, which I was living in for free. So I didn't really have any expenses. And I'd kind of had this newfound love of real estate during that time. I'd gotten my hands dirty and learned how to do a lot of the work myself. And then I still had this love of technology. So I was kind of just thinking, you know, what can I combine here? And that's kind of where the initial thesis for Clever came that, you know, at Clever, one of our core beliefs is that real estate has fundamentally changed with how people are finding it with the advent of the internet. And it's never been easier to do the paperwork and like the, the showings and kind of the legwork of the transaction. But we didn't agree with some of these companies that are kind of saying like, we don't like agents, they're not worth it, they don't provide any services. And they're like trying to let you buy and sell by clicking a button. So we kind of combined that knowing that we're a pro agent company, we still want to work with great agents. But by taking out a lot of their time and expenses of actually finding buyers and sellers to work with, we thought we'd get them to be willing to discount their commission and still provide good service. So that was kind of the core thesis we were testing in the early days of Clever. And it's fortunately turned out to work that agents are really on board and willing to discount their commission in exchange for kind of the marketing we do to get them business and not skimp on service to customers. So we've really kind of built a a win-win that works for both sides. And this is a company you started. Did you have partners that helped you with it? or? Yeah, we had a couple co-founders with uh, varying backgrounds in tech and marketing. And then my uh, business partner for real estate investing is my main business partner here at Clever as well, who had a background in uh, data science at Stanford. Nice. I mean, looking at your website, I would have never guessed in a million years you were from St. Louis. It does not look, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to, to, to rag on St. Louis, but it just doesn't look like a St. Louis company. You know what I mean? I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see like a picture of the arch and a red bird in any of your images. Yeah. And to some extent, we're, we have a headquarters here in St. Louis, and we also have a, a pretty large remote team. So we've hired people from all around the country, and we have uh, contractors that work with us in Canada. So we've really taken advantage of the new kind of remote work trend to bring in the best talent we can. All right. So talk more about what Clever does. If I'm looking at their website, listwithclever.com, find a top real estate agent and save. Get a, it, uh, get a better real estate agent, save thousands on commission. It looks like you read StoryBrand, <laughs> right? I actually haven't. I'll have to uh, check it out. Well, the, one of the things that they talk about is on your website, it needs to be within one second clear on what this company does. And it is right there. Get a better real estate agent, save thousands on commissions. Yeah. And that's definitely the the summary of what we do and how we kind of go about it. And our kind of thesis that we're building on is we want to be the best source of real estate education on the web. So we have a large content team that's writing about 
really anything from finding an agent to thinking about getting through inspections as a way to kind of build trust with homeowners and potential buyers. And then we also have a licensed team of licensed agents that can speak with you on the phone to kind of give advice and build that trust and comfort. And then we've built this network now of 10,000 agents all around the country. So we can then match the customers to great agents from every major brand or top local brokerages that can help them buy and sell and save on fees. And it's kind of our goal to be kind of the engine for choice to help customers interview agents, make good decisions, and then eventually help them out with other areas of the process as well to really be the the customer advocates to help make the process easier to understand and ultimately get them a better outcome. So you're nationwide. I was just talking to an investor friend of mine in San Diego who's doing a bunch of deals in Florida right now, and he's wholesaling them. You're familiar with wholesaling, right? Mm -hmm. And he's buying them for cheap and he's maybe cleaning them up a little bit putting 500 bucks in it to clean it up and then just turning around and listing it on the MLS with a flat fee listing broker or something like that. But I also have some friends that are doing this from Phoenix. They're going nationwide, different parts of the country. They're kind of expanding their network out wide and they're using, they're going back to using realtors to sell their properties for them. They're buying them, not it's called wholetailing where they just kind of cleaning it up a little bit, putting it back on the MLS to sell it for a quick 15, $20,000 profit. Nothing big home run, not as much as you'd make if you rehabbed it, but it's in and out really quick and they're pricing it aggressively. They sell quickly, right? So this is this is nationwide. I just put in my zip code. And by the way, guys, I, I'm, I'm bringing this, I'm, I'm bringing Ben on to talk about his company. I'm not getting any kind of commissions or referral affiliate commissions by talking about this. I just think it's a great idea because this is now nationwide. If you're doing any deals virtually, you can use this company now to find agents that will help you sell your property at huge distance discounts, huge savings, right? And I want to ask you about that in a minute. Like how do, what's the incentive for them? How do they get Mm -hmm. out of this? But so I put in my zip code and it says, uh, list your home for just $3,000 or 1%, depending on your home's value. If the home is priced above 350,000, I just pay a 1% commission. And that's on the listing side. You're still encouraged to offer the normal, normal buyer's agent commission or else other agents aren't going to want to show your home. But that's still something you can determine, right? You can still say, you know, I exactly. pay 2% or 2.5%. Mm-hmm. And we always say it's important to talk to the agent about that because in some markets, if most homes are offering 3%, especially similar homes to yours, and you only offer 1%, you know, there's a risk that the agents aren't going to want to show the home. So we really stress, and it's why we want to work with good agents who can help make recommendations to really maximize, you know, what buyer's agent commission is going to maximize the value of the home and the ultimate sale. So you say here we save home homeowners an average of $9,600 in commission and fees, right? Mm -hmm. What is that based on? Yeah. So I believe it's based on the average data for the transactions we did in 2019. So we'll be updating that number. And it's compared to if we had charged the traditional 6%, we looked at all of our past transactions. So we'll be updating that here at the end of the year once we have a new data set. But it looks like it'll hold pretty consistent just based on the average home value that we work with. So on average, instead of paying 6%, they're paying maybe three to 4%. Yeah. And one way to look at it is if you have a a $300,000 home, if you paid 3% to your listing agent, you'd be paying $9,000. So with Clever, you're just paying that flat fee of 3,000. So you're saving $6,000 right there on the listing side. And then some agents would do two and a half on the buy side, kind of depends, but it's easier to visualize the listing amount you'll save on the listing side, because that's pretty standard. This is interesting too. When I click, because it's asking me, what kind of house do you have or do you want to sell? And I I said single family and it says, what's most important to you when looking for an agent? 
Selling quickly, highest offer, most experience, saving on commission. Why? Those are great questions. And that's something where when I used to do a lot of wholesaling deals here in St. Louis with a local wholesaler, his name was Jeremy. I was doing the marketing, pre-screening the leads, giving them to him, and he would go get them under contract and flip them, and then we'd split the deals, right? Well, anyway, one of the questions that we always asked for him was that question. What's most important to you, Mr. Seller? Do you want to sell it fast or do you want to make the highest amount possible? And if they said the highest amount possible, we'd always just say, well, you should call a realtor. Here's some agents that you can call. But if they said, I want to sell it fast, then that would be a lead we sent to him and he would go meet with them and get it under contract to buy it. So uh, to explain the reasoning behind those four questions, are you selling quickly? Are you more interested in the highest offer, most experienced mm-hmm. or saving on commissions? Yeah. So we've got a really large network of agents. So the more we can learn about what the goals are, you know, there's some agents that have their average time on market is a lot lower. Some kind of have their list to sale price ratio is higher. So the more we know about what's important to the customer, the better the recommendations we can make. You know, if someone's buying and they're trying to say, let's say they want to be in the Clayton School District, a school district here in St. Louis, you're going to want to get an agent that really specializes and knows homes in that market. So just the more information we can have, the better of a match and a better experience we can provide when it comes to uh, making that introduction. So if somebody says, I want to sell quickly, what kind of realtor are you going to refer them to? Yeah. So we're going to look, depending on the market, we're going to look for you know agents that have a track record of selling homes quickly. We might, if they're really, sometimes people are wanting to sell quickly because they're in distress and they have like, I need to be, have this thing sold in 30 days or else you know, I'm going to be foreclosed on. Then we'll look at agents that have networks of cash buyers. We have some partnerships with iBuyers where we could make the recommendation. And it's really our goal to help be the engine of choice and help them make the right decision. And listing isn't on the MLS isn't always the right decision. In some cases, you know, if you do need to sell in 10 days, we can help help them through the process of what are the other ways to sell and really just being the company that can help them make the right decision that meets their needs. Do the agents have to pay anything to be on your referral? They do not. We're 100% free for agents to sign up with. And then we screen to make sure, you know, we wouldn't want to send an agent. If it is their first deal, we wouldn't want them to work with one of our customers. So we have some pre kind of quality guidelines that we look for to make sure we're sending someone, an agent that's really going to do a good job for them. So how do you get paid through this whole thing? Yeah. So we get paid a percentage of what the agent receives as a broker to broker referral. So it's a thousand dollars on the flat fee of 3000 or 25% of the uh, 1%. Nice. And so you can do that because you're a broker. Exactly. Okay. So the company has to have somebody in the, um, managing it that's a broker to be Mm -hmm. able to get the referral commissions like that, right? Exactly. And then everyone we have on the phone is a licensed agent. And then I'm a licensed agent as well. So it's been a fun challenge of how do we, you know, are we hiring agents for our team? Are we training and coaching? And we've kind of done a mix and we really stress and teach our team in-house a ton about real estate. And it's been cool that a lot of the team is wanting to get into investing and is really hungry about learning about it in their free time. So we've really built this team of people on the phone who are really knowledgeable and passionate about real estate. I'm curious though, on these four questions, what percentage of them pick the selling quickly option? That I actually don't know offhand. So I wouldn't want to make up a number for you. Could an investor become a referral to you who's not licensed for those I want to sell quickly leads? I would have to double check with our council. I don't see why not since they would be actually just purchasing their home as an an individual, but I would be the way the rules and compliance are always a pain. So I'd be hesitant to say definitively, but I think that could work. The th- thing that's tricky with that is how would that wholesaler pay you mm-hmm. if they're not licensed? Yeah, it's definitely, 
can be tricky. And then our main goal is to make sure that the the customer is ultimately getting, like if they came to us and said, I need to sell in three days, we would try and make introductions to help them. We've had some customers who come to us like that, but more often the sell quickly is more of like, we're moving for a different school district or for a job and we need to sell in 30 to 40 days because we don't want a vacant house. And we get less of the, I'm about to be foreclosed on, but we are seeing just the nature of doing so much marketing online. We do get customers from all situations and we do our best to help them. All right. So you get paid again by a referral commission from the agent, the listing agent or the buyer's agent that you mm-hmm. refer that lead to. Yep. Nice. And you can do that nationwide in all 50 states? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a, a bunch of legal work to, to double check it there. Wow. Okay. So to become a referred agent... What do people have to do if they're licensed and they're interested? How do I get some of these leads? What do they need to do for that? Yeah. So the way it would work is you'd go to our website, uh, listwithclever.com. And at the top, you'll see a a tab for agents. And it has kind of a list of uh, qualifications we need. We usually look for five years of experience and then a minimum number of transactions that somewhat varies in the area. If you're in a really, really rural area, we're going to look for less than if you're in a big city where you could be doing a lot of transactions. Then before we would ever introduce you to one of our customers, you'd do a call with our team. We'd send you over some onboarding material, answer any of your questions, and make sure you're really up to speed and educated on what it's like to work with Clever. And then from there, you'd be in our system and be eligible to uh, work with the customers we get. So what can an agent, a typical agent, expect if they're getting referral leads from you? Like on average, if it's in a normal Midwestern market, how many leads could they get a month? Yeah. So assuming they perform well and it's, it's working, you know, we have some agents that are doing upwards of 20, but kind of the sweet spot we found is anywhere from three to eight per month, which is enough. Are those referral leads? Yes. So they're customers that we're sending to the individual agents. And we found that it's enough where it's really meaningful business and income that they can help grow with, but it's small enough that they can still provide really personalized one-on-one service to the customers. Are there some markets that are just, you have enough agents and you say, all right, we don't need any more? We won't ever say, you know, we don't need any more. Sometimes we'll say, hey, it's, you know, there's only a certain like, you know, it's harder to send leads to agents if we have just people who are getting fantastic reviews and we have several of them. But things definitely change. And as we grow and expand, you know, if we have five great agents, let's say in Atlanta, but we get 3x the amount of customers, we don't want to just keep using that same five because we'll give so much business to them, they can't provide good service. So it's one of the fun parts of running the business is managing that supply and demand and optimizing and making sure the agents have enough capacity to provide a great experience to the customers. I can imagine one of the problems you might be facing, correct me if I'm wrong, is you are resending leads to people, but those realtors aren't calling those clients back or it's taking too long for them to follow up. Am I right? That was a problem early on. We've built a lot of tech now where if we're not introducing a customer until the realtor has opted in or the agent's opted in and said, I'm ready for this, introduce me. But it is definitely initially a challenge we had to optimize for because nothing's a worse experience than introducing someone and then they just don't hear from the agent or it takes a long time. So we've really tried to optimize around building the best customer experience. And how do you do that though? Yeah. Most realtors I know are lazy, right? <laughs> and, and they say they want the leads, but then all of a sudden when you give them to them to get the agent to pick up the phone and you know schedule a listing appointment or whatever, it's just really hard to find that kind of agent who's aggressive, willing yeah. to work 
So I can't go too far in the weeds on how the actual technology works, but we've kind of built a system now that screens for and it ranks who's most responsive, who's the best fit. And then for many agents, we will just confirm like, hey, are you ready right now if we sent this over? It's not like an agent out of the blue looks at their phone and they have a customer. They're opting in and knowing you know, the location, what they're getting to make sure that this is a customer. They're actually local to and can serve. So we're making sure that it's an introduction that's going to be a good fit. Okay. This is something I wanted to ask before and I forgot. If a listing agent is willing to take that discounted commission, mm-hmm. it seems to me like maybe what's in it for them? Like they're only making th- two or three grand up front mm-hmm. and they have to share some of that with you? Exactly. Are the services discounted also or is that realtor saying, all right, we're, we're not going to do the full everything for you like we normally would for a normal client? Yeah. So the services are exactly the same. The only things they aren't doing are we don't mandate that they do drone photography as those sometimes cost extra. And we say they should offer it a la carte to the customers. But everything else, the photos, they're hiring a photographer, the open houses, all the things they're doing normally, they're still offering to our customers. And kind of it's the, honestly, it's the number one question we get from agents, from people we tell the business about from investors is kind of the why would an agent do it? And the easiest way we'll explain it is if you drive along the highway and you see a billboard for an agent, they're spending a ton of money on that marketing. Or if you see an agent on Zillow and you click the preferred agent, they're paying money every single time you click. And with Clever, instead of spending that money up front, they're still spending it because the commission is reduced, but they're only paying it at the time of sale when they get a closing. So it kind of reduces their risk of upfront marketing to guarantee they'll grow their business. And then if an agent does a really good job and they're working with three to four customers a month that are sellers, a good percentage of those are going to turn around and buy where they'll make more commission there. And if they really do a good job, when those customers, they're going to tell their friends, they're going to come back to them. You know, and we've have agents who've gone from one of the top agents in their market to the absolute top in their market, really, really growing their business. So we found that in transparency, it doesn't work for everyone. Not all agents can make it work, but the agents that get it and figure it out are really using it to catapult their business and be really successful with it. Well, the other interesting thing, too, is they're getting these leads without paying anything for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Interesting. So wh- one of the things I was thinking about, too, is then it becomes where the, the seller gets to negotiate with the listing agent what the buyer's commission is going to be, mm-hmm. right? the buyer's agent's commission. Is it really true? And can a realtor actually do this where if that buyer, <clears throat> if the seller says, I don't want to pay more than, let's say, 2% buyer's commission, is it true? Like, is it, it's going to go on the MLS, Right. And so can a realtor ethically say, I'm not going to show that house to my client because I'm not going to be getting paid enough commission for that? Absolutely not. That is a violation of the narcode of ethics. Right. But the real question is, does it happen? And there's a bunch of case law. There's been some investigations by the Department of Justice and um, other companies that have kind of said, like, look, this is happening. There's instances of some of the discount brands that are actually putting a discount sign in the yard, getting ripped down by other realtors. So it's really, it's kind of one of those tricky situations when like the law is clear, you cannot you know, steer clients based on how much you're getting paid. And then if you look at what's actually happening, and if you look at some of the cases, it's more of a, oh man, this is something, you know, we should consider. So it's, uh, it's why we like the way our business is set up where there's not a discount sign in the yard. It's still a name brand. So there isn't that risk of someone seeing the home and thinking, oh, it's a discount or I'm going to lowball. Okay. But still you're saying they're not supposed to do it, but sometimes it does happen. 
Yeah, that's what we've read online. There's a lot of just cases and incidents of people who are complaining and being concerned that it happens, but it's not it's not supposed to happen, but we feel like we're at risk and it might still happen. Does any buyer anymore today go to the agents and say, I'm looking for a house, show me what you got? Or are they going to Redfin and Zillow and looking for mm-hmm. themselves and telling the agents, we want to go look at these three, four houses? Yeah, the most recent data I've seen was that 90% of buyers find their home online. There's still some that are saying, you know, an agent can set up MLS alerts now. So it comes from the agent's email, but it's just another link to another portal. So it's it's not like it used to be where the agent would say, you know, meet me at 12 p.m. on Sunday and I'll show you eight houses and you don't know what you're going to see. It's much more common that the buyer is saying these are the three homes, especially now during COVID. We've seen that there's a lot more virtual tours. And then the only time you're seeing a home is because you're very confident that if you like it, you're making an offer on the spot. So it's been interesting to see how that's kind of change the behavior and the amount of in-person showings and the level of intent that it takes to do one. Yeah. I mean, that's fascinating to me. And I'm looking here, it, it seems like, you know, anytime if a house goes on the MLS, it's going on Zillow and it's going on Redfin mm-hmm. Julia, and it's going to be out there. So I would see that kind of as a good thing because it's it's driving the, the cost of the commissions down, which is more better for the consumer. Exactly. You could argue it's not good for the realtors and the business and the industry of the, you know of being a buyer's and seller's agent, but it's also taking a lot of the work away that the realtors used to have to do. You understand? Yeah. That? And I would kind of argue that you know the work of the agent is less now finding the home, yeah. but it's still just as important. You know, you get a buyer and seller who barely do a transaction every seven years if they're lucky under contract and there's inspections and negotiations. Agents can really deliver a lot of value in that process because it's the most amount of money most people are going to receive or spend for in their lifetime when they're buying and selling a home. So it helps to get someone trusted to walk you through it more now than it helps to help someone you know pick out the home on Zillow. Fascinating. Okay. So if somebody wants to buy a property, what percentage of the leads that come to your website are looking to sell and what percent are looking to buy a property? It varies month by month, just kind of where we're at in the cycle. But it's when we started, obviously the name List with Clever, we were very seller focused. And now we're getting more and more towards 50-50. And we found that if you buy with us in a state where commission rebates are legal, the agent will give a portion of their commission back to the buyer. And I was looking at this because when I click, I'm looking to buy. It says here, you offer rebates up to 1% when you buy with Clever. So you can get a rebate of $1,000 on homes less than 500 grand and up to mm-hmm. 1% on homes that are more expensive. Exactly. How does that work? It kind of varies state by state. And unfortunately, where we are in Missouri, it's just not allowed at all. The Department of Justice is actually actively working to make it allowed. They're really in favor of rebates because it's pro-consumer. But the way it works, and the biggest call out for anyone who's thinking of doing it, be it with Clever or with any agent in general, is the moment you decide you go under contract and know you're getting a rebate, immediately loop in your lender because getting a rebate can mess up their underwriting if they they need to know you're getting that cash back. Sometimes lenders say they want it to go into your mortgage to buy down points. They don't want you to get cash. So the advice we always give is immediately loop in the lender. That should not be a surprise on closing day. You know, if it does, we've seen instances where it might not happen. So really be transparent with your lender. And then it's usually paid out at the title company or the attorney if you're closing in an attorney state. This is interesting. So about right now, it's getting closer to 50-50% of the people going to your website, finding you are looking for 
to buy a property. Mm -hmm. And if you're an agent new in the business and you really want to start making some money doing listings or whatever, do you recommend to agents to be the buyer's agent or be the seller's agent? Which is a faster, easier way to make money? From what I've seen from some of the really top agents that I know personally, a lot of them prefer doing listings just because it's easier. It's You can carry more listings than you can buyers because there's still a lot more showings and back and forth. And if a good agent has a listing and they have their processes down, one thing many just consumers don't understand is if you have the home listed and it's vacant, especially oftentimes it's on a lockbox and the buyer's agent brings their client and the listing agent isn't showing up to all of those. So you can do a lot more and provide a good experience. But if you're new, I mean, if I was a new agent, I would take buyers, sellers, renters, anything I could to build that relationships because it really is a networking game where if you help someone rent a property now, two years from now, when they buy and they were impressed with how you helped them, then they're going to give you a call. So really as a new agent, just get your name out there and don't skimp on service because you need people to want to call you back. Don't you think though, with the technology today, being a buyer's agent is easier than it's ever been before? I definitely think it's easier than it's ever been because there's less showings, but there's just more work if you're writing. You know, if, What we've seen now is that in some markets, you make an offer and you're 10,000 over asking and you still lose. So if you're doing five to 10 offers like that, it's a lot more work than listing a home and presenting 10 offers a couple of days after you list it and picking the highest one. So that might change if the market becomes the opposite, where you make an offer and the odds are good, it's accepted and listings are sitting on the market. But what we've seen right now and kind of from personal anecdotes, the the listing agents I know are loving the the seller's market because they're getting so many offers so fast on their listings. I think as we transition, and it will soon, it has to, you'll see that it's the realtors that survive are going to be the ones that are marketing more aggressively for buyers. I think there's probably some truth in that because it's, uh, I agree, it can't continue this way forever. Eventually something will have to change. Very cool here. All right. So I'm just looking at your website again. There's, I love the questions that you ask. Like anytime somebody comes into your world on your website, you you're asking them about five or six questions to direct where to send them to. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's very intentional. You guys have spent a lot of time and resources and energy thinking about these questions and where where to send people on their journey, depending on what they answer, right? Uh, Yeah. It's definitely an area where continually looking to improve on because kind of that that's the first experience they have a lot of people find us reading a blog post and it's their first you know experience to to work with us so it's definitely an area we're always testing and looking to be better at so i'm trying to remember how i found you guys when i was searching you do a lot of seo your seo is really strong Mm -hmm, definitely are you doing a lot of google pay-per-click as well we do some pay-per-click. We've done, it varies kind of the seasonality and what's working for us, but we're uh, definitely a fan of SEO. What are some of the terms that you guys go after for SEO? Oh man, at this point, it's... Like the big ones. Yeah. I mean, really anything. If you think of a term that's like someone is getting ready to actually sell their house with search, we really like those terms. But it, you know, there's like the find an agent term, sell my house, um, some of the discount terms, obviously save on commission, stuff like that. And it really kind of varies. And now we've more expanded just to think about kind of a more holistic approach to education. And what are, what do you need to learn if you're thinking about buying a home? You know, how much are closing costs? You know, how do you, what are the things you're going to have to understand? Is it, is, should I be repairing my house or redoing the front yard before I list it? Any of the things in the process, we're trying to really hire in-house writers to to write awesome content for it. Is that a pretty competitive search term, find an agent? Oh yeah, that's that's a pretty competitive one. There's some billion 
dollar companies, Realtor.com, some other referral networks that have raised a lot of money that are really looking to win that one. I see number one for me in my ad I just searched was Dave Ramsey. Yep. He's big in this. He's Dave Ramsey does really well for tons and tons of businesses. And how's he getting paid? Is is he getting like a referral commissions like you are? Mm-hmm. Yep. Ramsey is, I believe he's a licensed brokerage and then they do it, his Ramsey services brand for all kinds of different industries. Well, I'm, I'm looking at some keyword da- data here and it's pretty expensive cost per click. Yeah. We've really had to invest in an SEO and a marketing team to even compete. The barrier to entry is pretty high. So it's uh, one of those things we're happy we've been focusing on it for the past couple of years because it's not... Some industries, you can throw up a blog and start writing and you're getting traffic really quickly. Real estate is definitely difficult. So where do you... If I'm going to your website, where are some of these articles kept? Yeah. We actually just redid it. So let me pull it up. So if you see at the top, you see home selling, home buying, and investing. Like in home selling, you'll see best of. So you can see discount real estate brokers, flat fee MLS services. We buy houses for cash companies. And then we've got a section on guides. And then we've got a learning section, which is more of like the open-ended questions. Like how much does it cost to sell a house? Yeah. So you've got a lot of just articles. How often do you produce and publish the content? Yeah. So we've got thousands of pieces of content that we've done over the past three or four years, and we're building a a fairly large in-house editorial team. So it's, you know, multiple pieces a day is kind of the cadence we're on with a ton of research. And the goal being now, if if we're writing something, it needs to be the most authoritative, well-researched piece of content out there. And so you're doing all of that in-house. You're not outsourcing that to a mm-hmm. company? Yeah, it's uh, we view it as a core competency for the business. Yeah, it's obviously pretty important. Because you also have some articles about investing. Mm-hmm. Are you doing much business with investors? Yeah, we've done pretty well. We've found there's some people who've done 10 plus with homes with us who are flipping all around the country. We've worked with some just first timers who found us through some of like our writing about rental property. I actually wrote some of them personally in the mm-hmm. middle of COVID to stay sane. I was doing a lot of writing and it's uh, kind of varies the different types of investors we work with. But uh, we believe our business, you know, and being an investor myself, you know, if I'm selling a property, the, the less I can pay on commission, the more money I have to buy another property. I've seen that it works well for investors. It looks like you even have a rental calculator here. Yeah, we took the thing my partner and I built three years ago to use personally and then had our designer stick a nice skin on it so it looks better. But it's the the same tool we use personally. This is cool. I'm going to share my screen and show you all this thing. Let's see if this works. All right, Sue, there we are. And I'm going to your website, List with Clever. Can you see this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to Clever. I went to Investing. And I went down here to Rental Property Calculator. Yep. And there's actually two on this page. If you scroll down, there's one we built with a, uh, a web tool that's kind of a, a slimmed down version, which is this one you're seeing here. Yep. This is kind of the best one we could stick on the web. And yep. then if you scroll all the way down, you can enter your email address and you can get the actual Excel sheet. It's a Google sheet that my partner and I use, hmm. which has a ton more fields. You can enter in like your electrical, your HVAC. Uh, this one right here, if you put in any email will take you to a Google sheet. And then that's the one I'd say, if you're really serious about it, it really helps just to get every little thing, your taxes, your insurance, um, anything, you can model the cap rates and I've, and then you can save it. So if I'd really recommend using the Google well, sheet. Can you walk us through doing both of these real quick? Yeah, sure. Well, let's do, uh, let me let's do the, the email one. I think that one's a more useful tool. We built the web one to be as useful as we can, but there's only... So much you can do in a little web browser. All right. So I just went to that page right here and well, there's my email address. Oh, I had even typed it in wrong. 
All right, so this is a calculator. I love calculators and spreadsheets. Um, this is view only, so I'm going to, I know how this works. I'm going to yep. make a copy. So now I can edit it. Exactly. And it's just, it's making a copy into my Google Drive folder and it's called it copy here. And there's a video that walk people through. This is pretty cool. All right, so you can put your address here. Mm -hmm. You have to put in the assessed value. Let's say it assessed, let's do $150,000 property. Let's just do one, two, three, Main Street. Let's just, I don't know, keep it at that. Does that sound about right? That would be pretty high for a St. Louis property. 6%. It should be, unless it's not hard-coded, it should be multiplying it out. When I use it, I usually just copy in the number. Yeah, let's just do that. 3,500. Purchase price, I'm going to buy it for 130 After repair value, 150 Buying with Clever, what does this do? So then in the states where it's legal, it'll put in, like, if you can get the rebate, you would put that in and it would calculate the money back that you're saving into the cap rate. If okay. you're buying in Missouri, you should check no, because unfortunately, you can't get a rebate there. All right. So purchase closing costs, plus plus to view more categories. Yeah, so here, if you're really thinking it through, you can put in oh. all the different types of costs. When I'm modeling, usually I won't get this far. I kind of use it as a stage to, uh, does this pass the two-minute model and I should investigate further? And then if I'm under contract or getting closer, then I'll do all the diligence. But we wanted to have it there. So if you're really getting serious, and you can do the same for the uh, repair cost as well. You can really add in the, kind of model out your rehab in the tool. Or I could just do like 2% Mm -hmm. times the purchase price, right? Exactly. 2600 Estimated repair costs, I'm going to put ten grand in it. About cosmetics. So I'll put 25% down because I do what Dave Ramsey says. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, loan amount, interest rate, points charged by lender, other charges amortized over how many years? Let's do 15 years. I do what Dave Ramsey says. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, total gross month. Holy smokes. So 150,000 might rent for 1300, let's just say. Is that right? That's this is the monthly rent, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Electricity the tenant pays water 75 a month. I might pay that just because in St. Louis with our communist party mm -hmm. called the MSD, they'll go after the landlord. So it's just easier to pay it yourself. PMI garbage, they do that. Tenant does that. HOAs none. Insurance sounds kind of high, doesn't it? Or my Yeah, that's probably a little high for $150,000 property depending on what you want to insure for. Right, so it calculates the insurance, other expenses. Yep. Oh, do you do, do, does it track in here vacancy? Oh, there you go. Yep. And then the big one we added was leasing fees. We found a lot of people miss that in their uh, estimation if they're using another manager. Mm -hmm. Vacancy, 7% repairs and maintenance, capital. That's future capital expenditures. That means like saving some money for, you need to repair the roof in five, seven, seven years. Exactly. Let's do 5%. Management, let's do 8%. Leasing, what, uh, oh, leasing fees. That is, uh, most people don't do this. Yeah, we uh, we were like, serious with the modeling. Oh yeah, because you're going to have to get a new tenant. And what does your property management charge you when you find a new tenant? They charge you one full month's rent. And I think this 7.5% is estimating an 18-month average um, tenancy, which yeah. is probably low for a single family. I bet you'd get tenants longer. We've seen with some of the multifamilies, we like to be conservative in our modeling. Yeah, okay. I'm going to make this 30 years. <laughs> it's not going to look good. I do 15 years. And then if you click a report output there at the bottom, it'll show you its projections. All right. So I'm being real conservative here. I'm figuring 7%, 12, 17, 25, 33, about 33%. Yeah. It's uh, all of these things. 
We definitely model this way too to make sure that the deal is going to work if things go really bad, and then if it, you can be pleasantly surprised in a good way if the mm-hmm. expenses come in less. So this money, at least the vacancies, repairs, capital expenditures, and leasing fees, you better make sure you're saving that money, you know, and it's not just uh, going in hip pocket national bank. Okay, so income growth two percent. That's conservative. That's PV growth. That's the uh, appreciation. Mm-hmm. Is that present value. Yep. Expenses, sales expenses, if you sell it in the future, right? Yep. All right, report output. I'm negative on this, but it's because um, I'm being conservative. Mm -hmm. And then this would be kind of, we'd look at this and think, all right, it's probably worth walking the property. Because if you walk in there and the plumbing's new and the electrical's new and the roof is new, you're probably overestimating. But if you walk in and you're thinking, oh, I'm replacing all this stuff, then it's a good sign that you should probably offer less or budget more for repairs. Well, you just know this too, buying 150,000, you don't buy $150,000 rental property to cash flow a lot of money. This is a longer term play and you get a good, you're going to get a much better quality tenant. There's not going to be as much to repair in a house like this in mm-hmm. St. Louis, right? Agreed. And uh, it's going to be a newer home, much better tenant. So your hassles and headaches are going to be a lot less, better quality. You're going to have less vacancies because it's in a better neighborhood. This is a good long-term investment. It's just like, Really, it's just like your monthly cash flow. The way I look at it, it's negative 120 a month. But look at the return. If you were to put $120 in the stock market in an index fund or something like that, what do you think is going to give you more return on your money in 15 years? Mm-hmm. This or, or the stock market? This yeah, market. and it's it's always good to know. And you know, your most of your expenses are fixed, and in 10 years, of rents have gone up pretty substantially, and your mortgage payments and everything the same. I'm definitely a fan of now seeing it just how well real estate does over time when you continue to own it and invest in it. Yeah, so this is cool. It breaks out your all your expenses here. Mm-hmm. Purchase closing costs, estimated repairs. This is the cash. Where, where does it show you the cash you're going to need to close? Um, it should be at the top, I believe. Total cash needed, uh, sell 12. Ah, there it is right there. Okay. Yep. Cool. Scrolling down, looking at the uh, Clever can boost your ROI. And this one, it's zero because it's um, not offering a rebate. But if it was a state where there was rebates and if it was over that amount where we would pay the $1,000 rebate, then it would show you kind of how much that's per- the thousands you're saving are um, impacting your percent ROI in terms of the cap rate. Very cool. And um, nice. It, it really breaks down the uh, numbers really well. Yeah, especially if you're a newer investor. I uh, I would spend a lot of time in a model like this, just modeling deals. So when something hits the market, you can kind of have that confidence of, is this actually a good deal or is it just looks like a nice house? And that's that's what gave me the confidence to start buying was just knowing that like, I've got my spreadsheet. This makes sense. I know I won't get burned. Does it do a pro forma out 5, 10, 15 years? I believe it should at the bottom on the report output. Oh, I didn't see that. I, well, let me share. I didn't share the whole thing. Hold on. <laughs> Scrolling down, analysis, analysis over time. Your three, your four. So here you go looking at your, as your loan balance goes down, your uh, profit goes up, your ROI, cash on cash. If you scroll down more. Yeah, it's definitely a compelling case for uh, why real estate's a good investment. And this isn't even figuring any kind of the tax benefits and the depreciation, mm-hmm. the write-offs that you get. Especially if you're a high income earner, you can deduct these expenses. I was talking to some really high end earners a couple of days ago, and these guys will buy airplanes and jets because it'll actually save them money in the long run. They can write off the jet. Wow. And they make so much money. Instead of paying a million in taxes, they can pay a million dollars and buy a jet. 
and they'll not have to pay any taxes. Wow, that's uh, that's quite the strategy. That's Donald Trump tax strategy right there. Yeah, that's something. Whatever you think of him, we'll leave yeah. it at that, okay? So yeah, this tells you the value is going up. Your equity is uh, in orange going up and your loan balance is going down. So there's this is a beauty, beautiful thing of it. You know, year 20, you're sitting on a lot of equity. You pay most of your interest at the beginning and uh, super cool. All right, yeah. so people can get that by going to or listwithclever.com, listwithclever.com. Go to the very top. Um, we're ready to go. Go to investing, and there is a rental property calculator. Yep. Right there. All right, cool. So, Ben, how can people reach you? Is it just the website? Is that the best place to go? Yeah. So my, the website, listwithclever.com. If you want to email me, my email is uh, ben at listwithclever.com. And then I have uh, a personal website that's just benmises.com that I'll link out to it as well. Listwithclever.com. And the mm-hmm. uh, what was your email again? Uh, ben, and it's uh, at listwithclever.com. Ben at listwithclever.com. Yep. And what was your personal website? Benmises.com. B-E-N-M-I-Z-E-S.com. Yeah. See if I got this right. Yep. There you go. There it is. Benmises, B-E-N-M-I-Z-E-S.com. Hey, Ben, it's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been great to be here. I really enjoyed it. This is a good option for those of you that are looking for deals and you want to work with a realtor, you're wanting to sell a deal and work with a realtor to sell your deals nationwide, uh, go check it out, listwithclever.com. Maybe you're an agent too and you want to get on their preferred agents list. Um, We love more agents. That would be great. Cool. All right, Ben, good talking to you, man. We'll see you later. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody.